Welcome to Love, Life, and Law of Attraction with Lisa Hayes. This is the place where you'll learn how to find the love of your life and build a life you love. Hello, everybody. This is Lisa. If you weren't awake before that intro, you should be awake now. And I am awake and thrilled, actually, to be here today with my friend, Frank Butterfield, who I have not connected with in a very long time. So I'm looking forward to this conversation. Welcome to the show, Frank. Hi, Lisa. It's so great to hear your voice and get to talk with you today. I know. So for our listeners who don't know you, Give us a little bit of a bio, some background. Like, tell us a little bit about Frank Butterfield and Communion of Light. Well, the short version is that uh, I'm a channel, so I sit down and talk with people and let this much broader, non-physical aspect uh, talk yeah. through me, called Communion of Light, who speaks in a very specific voice that we call Paul. And uh, it's just about the most fun I've ever had with anything ever. It's something I've been doing the way I'm doing now for about eight years. Uh, oh, well, nine years, actually. And um, it just keeps getting better and better, better and better. It's just amazing stuff. Um, I first learned how to channel back in 1990 and uh, took a while to get to where I'm at right now. But it's just amazing, just amazing what's happened and how wonderful it is and I can't wait to find out where we go in this conversation because there's always something good that happens here. I agree. I agree. Well, so the topic of the week is just generally speaking about, I mean, the book. So the, all of these interviews I'm doing this week are launch, well, are, excuse me, launch week interviews about my book, Score Your Soulmate. And I laughed when I offered to send you an advanced copy because I knew you wouldn't read it. And <laughs> because you have a, a policy of that, which I love, but I don't think you need to read it. I mean, from that broader perspective, sort of that channeled, that perspective into that deep, I don't know, infinite wisdom on this subject, I can't wait to hear what you say. Because I think that whether you're looking for that, quote, soulmate or, you know, that one specific person or not, most of us are here in this experience for one reason, which is to love and experience being loved. I mean, it all comes down to this sort of expansive thing that is love. I don't think that it's, I think we get really narrow and dialed down on finding a soulmate or that one really impactful romantic relationship. But I think the subject of love is bigger. And if we can grasp that bigger subject, it gets much easier to understand the things that fall underneath that umbrella, like finding a soulmate. What do you think? Well, you know, one of the wonderful things that I've learned from listening to literally, you know, tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of conversations with uh, communion of light and lots of people bringing all sorts of questions is, has been kind of the refinement of an idea that uh, the first time I heard it immediately made sense. And then I couldn't quite figure out exactly how it applied until I heard it talked about again and again, and that is that that love is something that we have already. We can't find it because it already exists. It's not missing. And the way that Community of Light talks about it is they'll say, you don't even, we don't even really know what real unconditional love feels like because there's no opposite to it. 
there's no absence of it anywhere at any time in anything because everything is made of that. And then, then they'll say, okay, but what you're really talking about in a relationship with another person are qualities like affection, adoration, one of my favorite words that they use, kind of an old-fashioned word, but esteem, and appreciation, and just the feeling of wanting to be with somebody just because you like them, and that it feels really good to be there, and that it just keeps getting better and better, and that you like the person that you're becoming in their presence. And I really love that mm-hmm. idea. And it really feels, you know, at least in the context of the conversations that I so often hear, it feels really good to me to kind of like answer the question of love and just say, it's everywhere. Now, what do I, kind of like, what do I want to do with it? How do I want it to manifest? How do I want it to arise? And that's, I know for me personally, that's a question I'm still answering. So I just, I love looking at it in those terms that, Every relationship is actually based on unconditional love, even if you don't really like someone or, you know, just have all sorts of reasons to think they're just not the right person for you one way or the other. But that unconditional love is still there and it never goes away. And so then it's like, okay, well, that to me feels like freedom. Okay, well, I know if that's the case, then then I can, like, make new choices about things like who is it that I want to be with and what does it feel like to be there? You know, basic law of attraction questions like, what does it look like and how does it feel? That kind of stuff. So, that's that's kind of what I think I, when you when you bring that to the table. It's so interesting to me to think about how does it feel to be there, I, because I think so often in my work, I mean, as a relationship coach, I talk to a lot of people who are doing relationships that they want so badly like oh i mean badly badly want those relationships want to be with that person want to be in that container that they've created together and yet it doesn't feel good like it maybe it has the potential to feel good maybe it once felt good but they are clinging on to something to doing something that when if they really ask themselves that question how does it feel to be here they might not they, they it might not be good i mean it's that willingness to answer that question honestly i think it's very courageous it's a big question and it's not just about this topic is it, it it's it, this really if you're going to live an intentional life and you're going to be walking around aware of the fact that you're creating your reality you end up asking this question about everything eventually. You know, eventually you realize it's the reason for everything that happens. And so, you know, to me there's another thing that you that you sort of touched on that I think is so important to talk about, which is there really actually is only ever one relationship. There's mm-hmm. only one relationship and everything else is an extension of that and that's the relationship you have with you. And there we've had some really wonderful conversations where things have gotten really deep metaphysically and there've been a lot of, a lot of examples of, and this is how this works and this is why it's important to look at this around the notion that actually you're in relationship with a relationship, the person you, you can't really get to. And that's a deep metaphysical concept. And it sounds like, you know, on the surface it would sound like, well, well then what am I doing if I can't get to that person? But the truth is, is that everything and everyone is actually just a reflection of what you bring to the table. 
So you're only ever in relationship with yourself. And if you start there, this is what has given me the greatest amount of peace, just far beyond anything else. If I realize that this is really just my relationship with me, everything else is like gravy. Everything else is bonus. Because I can create anything that I want to create through my intention and through deciding for it. And then all the rest of it will just show up as I let it. But it's not going to happen if I keep saying I don't have it. And that to me is, you know, that's one of the big things that I heard in what you were just saying is like the idea of people saying, I, I want this thing, but it's not exactly the way that I want it and I don't have it yet. And there's got to be something I've got to do to get there. And that just delays having the experience. And at some point you just have to say like, okay, I'm, I'm actually in the best relationship right now that I've got. And it's going to get better. Either it's going to change or it's going to be a different relationship, but something is going to happen. You said a lot of things I want to, I want to touch on. I think the biggest one is that the only relationship you have is with you and that everything else is an an extension of that. Like I often say the only reason we do relationships at all, the only reason we have these experiences with other people is so we can see ourselves so we can see ourselves it's very difficult to see yourself and to grow or expand in isolation like we get to see how we relate to other people we get to experience and experiment with what those relatings feel like like it's just it's just an opportunity to see ourselves more clearly i mean we often say relationships are mirrors and sometimes that's an infuriating concept, but <laughs> they are mirrors because they show us how we respond to different kinds of input. Exactly. You know me well enough to know that I have spent a lot of time in the last few years by myself because I've been kind of nomadic and I've been uh, kind of in a monastery known as a car just traveling across the country doing where I wanted, what I wanted to do and going where I wanted to go. And so I've had a lot of time to get to know myself, which has been amazing. I don't really recommend that anybody do it. I don't think it's a thing that anyone needs to do, but it's been really beneficial for me. So in the last year or so, I decided to let the, I decided to kind of open the door and let the universe bring me some people to date. And, oh, my God, what I basically found was I just was dating all these different ideas that I had about myself and I'd, you know, spend a little bit of time with them, and I would see it so clearly, and I'm like, oh, this is really good. And this person is really amazing themselves, but this isn't, this isn't who I'm going to spend any more time with. And I did that for a while, and I had a lot of fun with it. And then I just decided, okay, now that – and I think this is – if you're doing this intentionally, and I, again, I am just can only go on my own experience, but if you're doing this intentionally and you're coming from a place of being single – like at some point you do go through this kind of experiment phase of like who are these people and what are they bringing to the table and what am I bringing to the table and what am I offering and, you know, why am I here and what is this for? So you kind of get clear about that. And then at a certain point, and this is kind of where I am now, is now I'm not doing anything because I'm not going to go find anyone. I'm going to be here in the relationship that I have with myself and let the right person come to me, show up. Up here. And that's, you know, it's funny because when you first asked me about this, I thought, I'm such the wrong person to be in a conversation with you about this at all. Um, But then I thought, but actually, you know, having some time to think about it, I realized 
actually, I'm more at peace with this topic than I've ever been in my entire life, which was kind of a surprise when I realized it. And then I thought, oh, yeah, I can't wait to see what happens in this conversation. And I might actually end up reading your book. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> well, I mean, Not you won't read of... anything in the book that you didn't already just say, though, so you probably don't need to do it. I mean, the 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 fundamental theme of the book is go do you. Like, do the right. best version of you, the version of you that's right. going to bring you the most joy. Find yourself in places that you are delighted to be. Experience the things that you long for, and chances are pretty high you're going to find everything you're looking for along the way. As long as what you're doing is being in alignment with what it is that you're seeking, go do you, and the rest of it falls in place. That's exactly right. It, what, you know, I know that's true for all sorts of other parts of my life, and you know, I certainly see that with lots and lots and lots of other people, and it really is true. Like when you're, when you're present to yourself and you're letting what's real and right and delicious for you to rise up, what ends up happening, of course, is all sorts of magic happens around that. Things that you couldn't have predicted or planned in advance begin to show up because you suddenly realize, you know, you're where you want to be. It must be the right place at the right time. And then the universe shows you that that's actually right. It's so amazing. And the the sort of secondary payoff, like the gain, the second gain on that is because you're out there doing that and you're courageous enough to do that for yourself. You're not outsourcing your feel good to someone that you hope is going to come along. When you do find somebody that you want to spend some time with or a lifetime with, if that happens, you're coming at that from a place that is remarkably powerful. You're not needy. You're not graspy. You're not hoping that somebody's going to fill a hole in the boat because you don't have holes in your boat anymore. The freedom that comes with that power to be able to choose from a place that that isn't driven by trying to find something outside of yourself is huge, and it's so hard to explain to people what that really means to to get yourself to where you want to be so that you're not looking to somebody else to fill your needs. You could probably do a better job of that than I can. I'm going to let you take that one for a second. Well, no, I'm, I'm sitting here marveling at what you're saying because one of the things that I realized in my kind of year of dating was that I was not the person I thought I used to be. And, and in realizing that, like, I wasn't, because I was doing what I wanted to do, and I wasn't, you said it, this phrase you said was just so brilliant, outsourcing your feel-good to someone else, because I wasn't doing that. Some of the guys that I was dating couldn't figure out what I was doing. They were really mystified. They were like, why aren't you, you know, no one ever said directly, like, why aren't you doing this thing that I think you should do? But we would have these conversations, and one of them in particular was like, all I want to do is whatever you want to do. And I'm like, but I, that's when I was 30 or when I was 25, I would have loved to have heard that. Like, oh, I can be, you know, I can be the, the motivator of your life. That's really great. And I don't have to really do anything but just decide what I want. It sounds really good. But, of course, I know I want the contrast. I want the back and forth of being in a relationship with someone that's really juicy, where everybody brings something to the table and it's really amazing what happens as a result. And this guy was like, mm-hmm. he, he didn't really want to do that. He wanted to just be doing something else. 
but I realized that in particular this guy, he was very he couldn't figure out why essentially I wasn't grinding an axe to get something. Because I wasn't. I just wanted to find out what was going on and whether this was something that would be you know, whether he and I would be something that would connect or not. So I did I what I found myself doing in these relate in these little their little tiny mini relationship experiences was I was when I was done, I realized I had not ever once thought this is the guy who will make me happy. That was never what I was interested in. What I was interested in is do I want to spend time with this person, which is a very different question. So I love that you use that phrase, outsourcing your feel good to someone else, because that's that's the trap of kind of the like default sort of traditional way of looking at relationship. It's like mm-hmm. I got to find someone else who's going to match what I need instead of what do I want to bring to the table? What's fun to me? What do I want to experience? What do I want to ask for and offer? And how do I want to participate in this? Yeah. So I, think, I love that. Love, love, love that. I mean, my biggest benchmark at this point, and I'd be curious because this was the other thing I think that you alluded to earlier, and I'm curious on your perspective. But my biggest measuring stick at this point when it comes to relationship, whether it's romantic relationship, business partnership, friendship, I'll even say parenting. I mean, as my little one just burst into the room a second ago, it's who am I? Am I better? Do I like, do I like the way I show up here? Does this person bring, I, I'm trying to find the right words, because bring out isn't right. Do they inspire me to be the best version of myself? Or do I find myself relating here in a protracted way, in a way that I don't like myself as much? I don't like the way I'm showing up in this space. I don't like the way I behave sometimes here. Like I used to judge myself really harshly in situations like that where I would be interacting with or relating with somebody and I would find myself wanting to be better at it than I was. Like maybe find myself angry more often than I wanted to be or whatever. I don't even judge that anymore. It's like, okay, I like who I am when I show up here. So that's awesome. And I don't really like who I am when I show up here. So I'm not going to try and remodel that anymore. Like my growth at this point is to observe, do I like what I'm experiencing? Do I like how I'm experiencing myself? And if I don't, I might just choose to unplug. I maybe don't even need to try and fix that. Like I can just, I can just be witness to the fact that this relationship, this person, this situation does not bring out parts of me that I really enjoy experiencing. Did that make any sense at all? Uh, no. It, it, yeah, it makes total sense. Because, yeah, that's, I mean, that's part of, that is, that's a really good word. That is a really good benchmark. Am I becoming the person I want to become in the presence of this other person? Right. What's really funny is that, you know, one of the things I've really loved in community of like conversations about this is that when they talk about relationship, they'll say, you know, of course, all relationships are the same because it's just you with you. And so they'll often talk about, you know, you have your beloved, you have your parent, your child, your friend. You also have the butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker, which I love that phrase, you know. But like going to the grocery store, part of the reasons, and marketing people know this backwards and forwards, part of the reason you go to the store that you go to and there's, you have choices is because you like how you feel when you're there. You like who you become as you're in relationship with the person behind the counter or the person at the checkout. 
that's actually an integral part of the reasons we make a lot of choices is because we like who we are becoming in the presence of, you know, that particular head of romaine lettuce or that particular butcher or that particular baker. We like how it feels. And we won't go back if we didn't have an enjoyable time with the people behind the counter. This happens all the time. And it seems like it's just a, like, well, of course, kind of thing. But if you really think about it, that basis there is actually very helpful information. And you could go back and say, I'm going to have a really good experience with this person and shift the vibration if you want to, if you want to. Or you can say, yeah, that isn't really for me, and I'm not interested in trying to shift the vibration. This person that I'm in relationship, whoever they are, the real point here is what, what's calling forth within inside me that I want to liberate and give birth to and let happen in their presence. And when you think about it in that way, like then it's like every relationship becomes this exciting opportunity. And it also clarifies those relationships that you're sort of teetering on, thinking like, I've known this person forever, you know, like a friend that you've known forever, but you've sort of grown apart and you've never really wanted to say, okay, this is over. Like, I love you. I'll always love you. I'll always be there for you if you need me. But we don't have anything to talk about anymore. Because, in other words, mm-hmm. I'm not becoming the person that feels right to me when I'm with you. And it's not the other person's fault or responsibility. It's actually just a measurement of what the vibrational resonance is. That's all that it is. It's just basic metaphysics. Like, does it feel better to so be here neut- or not? It's so neutral when you put it in that perspective, which is really the perspective of truth. Like, I see a lot of, a lot of people, I've done it so I'm not all that hot myself, but I, I see it a lot where people, they look for a, they look for a way to be a victim so they can get out. Like if there's a villain, there's a victim and there have you've got to get your card punched that says that you can get out of this one way or the other. It's got to be bad enough to end it when really how lovely it would be if we could just be neutral. Like, yeah, this, right. this, there is not the vibrational resonance here and go, go, be you and I'll go be me and we can both be okay and neither one of us has to be bad or wrong or hurt or blamed. And that's very rare. I've seen it happen. My husband and his ex-wife did it. I mean, it it, it can happen. Yeah. 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 Well, I've, I've been able to do it with friends and, and in my little dating adventurettes, uh, I did do that. I just basically said, this is a, you know, you are a wonderful person. And these were all really wonderful people. But we just weren't a match. But, I, but there, there is one exception. There was one person I really felt like, and I'm saying it as though I knew, but I could not get past the fact that I felt trapped. And so I was looking for a punch card opportunity. And I actually probably sort of manufactured one without really realizing it. Because if I could go back to that person and say, look, there's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with me. This just wasn't the right fit. And it really did bring my attention to that. I, had, what, I hadn't really thought about it like that until you said punch, get your card punched. But that's exactly what I was trying to do, was I was looking for a reason to say, this is why this doesn't work. Because I, I kept imagining, but I, I don't think I was right, but I kept imagining that he wouldn't accept any other answer than that. But, but that's, you know, and I'm sure you have had a bazillion conversations like this about projecting what someone else is going to do and then trying to make a decision based on that. 
which is the single most impossible thing there is to do in the world. Because you never have any idea what anybody's going to do, but you have intuition, your own intuition as to what to do. And I know in that situation, I was not paying attention to my intuition at all. I was really afraid that he was not going to like me or that he was going to badmouth me or I don't know what I was afraid of, but I didn't want to just say goodbye. Goodbye, good luck, it's okay. Right. So it's a, it's a, it's a powerful thing. And but there's one other thing that I've noticed in that arena, because I've done that in other areas of my life, not just in relationships, and that is that when you consciously walk away from something, it's amazing the doors and windows that open as a result. Because all that's happened, it's not really walking away. In fact, Communion Vibe said this to somebody just the other day. They were saying that relationships actually never end. They don't, the form changes, but a relationship never ends. It's eternal. So the relationship doesn't end, but the form changes. And when you are changing the form, you're not throwing the form in the trash. You're not kicking it to the curb. You're just literally like a four-year-old would do, dropping the toys in one room and walking into another room. The toys will still be there if you want to pick them back up, but you're done in that I'm here in the present moment sort of way like a four-year-old would do. Mm-hmm. And it, that approach, I just love that idea of this isn't, I'm not leaving you, I'm actually moving forward. It may feel, you know, I, there's really good cultural reasons and lots, you know, thousands of movies and books written about the subject of how, like, that is abandonment, that's leaving somebody. And they're maybe not going to like it. But if you realize this is a step forward, it's not a step away. It's a step forward. It's just movement. Then I think it gets a little easier. We make it all so serious, right? And it feels serious. Like when I say when I say that, it sounds like I, it sounds a little bit mocking, almost. So we take it all too seriously. When you're in it, it feels like the most serious thing, oh. the most serious business <laughs> you've ever done. And yet, yeah, exactly. I think. The reality is, is we do make it all too serious. I mean that that illustration of a of a four year old with his toys walking away from him and going doing something else. That's truth right there. Like it's and again, the only relationship we really have is the one with ourselves. Like it's not nearly as serious as we make it. We have a tendency to complicate things just to make them interesting. I think. Yes. Well, it all comes down to getting your card punched. I just love that. I, I love that phrase. I love that phrase of like needing the validation. And that's why we do make things complicated is because we want to be able to tell a, and this is, I think, deadly stuff, not deadly, horrible, but just it's so constricting. We want to be able to tell a validating story that's coherent that other people will understand. So when we're called on the carpet, that then we'll be able to explain why we did what we did. No one else really actually cares that much about us to want to do that. But we have sort of taught ourselves that the reason why we need a way out is because we need to be able to explain it to ourselves or to someone else. When, in fact, a lot of these things are really not logical. If you're really living your life on the basis of who you really are, logic is something you use to bake a cake or to build something. But using logic to live your life is a terrible thing. Because it's so constricting. It has to make sense and it has to be coherent and it has to go in a straight line. When in fact magic is not like that. And the way the universe actually works is what's right for you right in that moment appears if you will let it. Whether it's the thought or the idea or the inspiration or some person or some experience. 
And that is so liberating, realizing, like, I don't have to explain this to anyone. That's, and I'm saying this because that's always been my issue. It's as though I needed to go back and report to my parents, this is what happened. Even though they don't really care or they're not even actually here. Like, there's no – I'm reporting back to some sort of authority trying to tell them, this is what I did and this is why I did it. And nobody actually really cares. I think that, I mean, just to say, back to what, what, kind of where we, where we picked up this part of the conversation, like just to say I was really happy there. Like I've been really happy with people where it didn't make sense. Like you said, magic doesn't, magic is not logical. The path there is not linear. I've been really happy in places that didn't make a lot of sense. I've been really unhappy in places that should have actually worked. Like just to be able to say I was really happy there, I am really happy here, or you know what, I'm just not. That is a courageous move, but once you, and I think that you're probably the best example of this. I mean, once you start to orient your life around that concept in relationships and in other areas, this is working and this feels good. I like who I am when I show up here or I don't, and I'm going to go with that flow Magic does unfold. You and I have argued. I don't know if you remember. We got in a bit of a Facebook argument once about doing something that doesn't feel good because it's going to make you feel good later. And you stepped in and you said, no, that doesn't work. (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't remember. But, um, yeah, but it doesn't work. I mean, I have – I feel like I have an entire adult life of experiences that say, oh, there's that thing that I did because I thought I would feel better later. And it didn't work out. It never delivered on what it promised. And if it did, it was so temporary and it was so fleeting and it was never the thing that I was working so hard to deliver on. And, uh, yeah, I, it's funny because it's, there's one, I have one really good example of this that is not about relationships, although it is in a way. And it's, I, I've, I've decided that I want to buy a house, and, um, which probably does have a lot to do with relationships, actually. And I have been spending the last year trying to decide where in Florida I wanted to live. And it came down to two places, Fort Lauderdale or Daytona Beach. And Fort Lauderdale looks right. It's, it's beautiful. It's a really, really wonderful place to be, particularly right along the beach. And it's where all the gays in North America are. Um, it's one of the gayest cities in the country. And Daytona is NASCAR and motorcycles, and it's kind of dirty, and et cetera, et cetera. And but there's but the thing about Daytona is it doesn't look right to me at all. And people who know Florida, when they say when I say Daytona, they're like, why? But it feels right. Fort Lauderdale looks right. It really looks right, but it doesn't feel right. And so I've gone back and forth, back and forth several times, kind of like arguing with myself, like, I can't do this, and i got to do this. And I've watched myself kind of play out the way I tend to treat ideas where I won't just make a decision. And so even in terms of relationships, I notice that this is one of those things that I have done in the past. When I've been involved with somebody who was a wonderful person, and I just realized it's, this is over, it's done. And it was time to move on. And I would go back and forth like, but it doesn't look right to say it's over, but it feels right. And it's so important. This is such an important 
I think it's such an important thing to really know the difference between when you're doing something, why you're doing it. It's for the feeling. If you're paying attention to vibration, you're working with law of attraction or with the metaphysics of the situation, it's all feeling, feeling, feeling. It's, that's everything. Which so, goes back to the question, I mean, why would you stay someplace that doesn't feel right? And there's lots right. of really good logical reasons. There's lots of yes, really, really are. good on paper and the spreadsheet reasons. But if you are someplace, if you're choosing, and I think that we're talking about people who, you know, are looking for love, like the choosing sense of it, if the compass is really how do I feel here? And I think that can get tricky because we can talk ourselves in, into thinking that we feel in love when we still feel shaky or uncertain or unappreciated or unseen or whatever it is. Like it's the truth underneath that top layer of how you think you feel that right. matters a lot, particularly in the beginning when you're not used to listening to that voice and following those nudges. Sometimes you got to dig down a little bit deeper than that top of the top of the frame right. feeling sense. I'm going to pause for just a quick commercial break and then I'm going to come back. I've got a really good question for you. Great. There is no choice in life that will have more impact on your happiness than who you choose to share it with. Everyone wants to find that one big love. However, most people are looking for that love kind of like they would play the lottery. Finding great love is not a game of chance. Score Your Soulmate by Lisa M. Hayes is a by-the-numbers guide to finding the love of your life and creating a life you love. Score Your Soulmate is a step-by-step soulmate finding formula that anyone can follow. What you will get along the way is a swoon-worthy life you'll want to share with that perfect someone. You can find Score Your Soulmate on Amazon or your local bookstore. Get your copy and start your journey to happily ever after today. Do you hear my doors? My dog snoring in the background. I usually do the dog disclaimer at the beginning of the show, but I didn't do it this time. So that's the dog snoring in the background, which is well, a good I'm sign. Glad you said something because I thought there's either a ghost on the line or someone very <laughs> sleepy nearby. <laughs> I when I'm when I'm being interviewed on someone else's show, I go someplace else where I don't have. To you know, pollute their sound waves with that. But when it's my show, it's like, I don't care if she snores. Anyhow, now that we heard the commercial for Score Your Soulmate and we heard the word soulmate 16 times in a row, my question is, what do you think about that concept of a soulmate? Because I'm guessing you see it a little bit differently. I'm guessing that you have a unique perspective on that. Like, do you think there is such a thing as a soulmate? Is there that one person? How, how would you define the concept of soulmate? Well, the first thing you ask is probably the easier one to answer, and that is that, I mean, this is true of any concept. If you say there is a soulmate, there will be a soulmate. That's mm-hmm. all there is to it. If that I, The thing I would say to anybody who's, like, really wondering about your book and what you're doing and the work that you do, if the point is not so much what does it mean, but rather does this idea resonate with you? Does this feel right to you? Because if it does, it's leading you into the thing that you're wanting more of. That's what the feeling better thing is all about. That's what this like intuition stuff is all about. Is If you pay attention to where the energy is going, it's taking you to where you want to go. It's not going to lead you down some sort of dark alley and hit you over the head. 
it's leading you right into the middle of what you actually want. And so if you hear the word soulmate and you think, yes, then it, it really literally doesn't matter what it means because that just means this is right for me. This is what I want more of. But I would also say if you hear the word soulmate and you're thinking, uh, I'm not so sure, that the other part of it is to say, look, soulmate for a day, soulmate for a week, soulmate for a year, soulmate for a lifetime, it doesn't matter. The idea of a soulmate is this is the right person for me right here and right now. And right here and right now is the only thing you've got going on anyway, so it doesn't matter whether it's lifetime, multiple lifetimes, or just 20 minutes. It is if it's the right time right now with the right person, that's all that matters. And I do love kind of the, like the the – the way Abraham and Communion of Light talk about the idea of this kind of relationship, and they'll say, you know, this is what Abraham says, you know, this feels good right now. We'll see about what happens tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's a dismissive of the idea of, like, there's a person who's right for me that's going to go on for a long time. That's not dismissive. What it really is is just actually factual. It's just the truth. It does feel good right now, and then we'll see what happens tomorrow. And if it doesn't feel good tomorrow, we'll deal with it then. But we'll deal with it then and not try to figure it out now to plan it out forever. But pay attention to what's really essential right now, which is, like we were saying earlier, am I becoming the person I want to become in the presence of this other person? Mm-hmm. If that's what's essential because you're, you're in love with yourself, not in any narcissistic way, but in a really powerful spiritual way. And that's what all of these relationships are about. And so if soulmate is the word, then it's the word, and it doesn't matter. And if it isn't the word, discard the word and just go for the essence of it, which is, like you said, you do you. You you live the life that you're here to live in all the wonderful and ways and the delight and all the magic of it, and all the rest of it will fall into place. And anyone who's ever done that knows that it's true. You, because you can talk about it, I can talk about it, we can talk about it all day. And say, oh, there's, here's an example, here's an example. But it's not until you actually do it. And you realize it isn't sitting on the couch eating bonbons watching television. It might be that. But that's not, it's not like I'm just going to give up in a way of I don't care in what everyone thinks that means. You will give up and you will find out that you don't care in the way that you thought you did. But when you begin to live it, you begin to realize the the thing we're talking about. And we can talk about it and you can teach it. And um, you're a marvelous teacher and a marvelous coach. And I could talk about it and I can remind people of what they already know. But it doesn't matter until you actually live it. And that's the whole point. And that's why I think this is such a good series of conversations you're doing and your book is just going to be marvelous in that way. Just marvelous, marvelous. I agree with you on this, on the subject of soulmate. I really do. I mean, it might be 20 minutes. It might be 20 years. It might be 20 lifetimes. It might be one soulmate. It might be three. It might be five. And that's very counterintuitive to sort of pop culture in the reference of the word soulmate. I mean, it's one of the reasons and People can just send me hate mail now if they want, or you can skip it because I've already read it. I mean, I'm and I am married. I mean, but I I delayed on the marriage trigger for a long time. I mean, I did not get married for a very long time because I like. We ended up doing it for legal reasons. I mean, we have a child, so there are some things. But I really liked the concept of non-marriage, of unmarriage, of unmarried togetherness, because it reminded me every day that we still have choice. I mean, being married, anybody who's been divorced, as I have, knows that the paper doesn't promise you forever anyway. 
But I really liked the loveliness and the ease and the honesty of the commitment that we made every single day because today is still the day. You're still the one today. I think you'll still be the one tomorrow. I think you'll still be the one the day after that. But, I mean, that unmarried commitment almost felt more precious to me than the traditional legal construct that is marriage because that willingness to be present with the fact that things change, I don't know, it just it feels very sacred to me. And I think we're all looking for something that will last forever when we're coming from a place of lack. Like this is the only one, there will never be another one, I could never have this again, even if it's not that great. I mean, that place of lack can trick you into thinking that you're getting the best you can. And when you surrender into the fact that you can give yourself what you want, you don't need anybody to do it for you, all of that kind of drops along the wayside somewhere along the line. I was When you were talking, one thing occurred to me that the first part of this conversation was a lot about being willing to let go, being willing to walk away. And that, I, I will be quite honest, that is one of the things that I bring to the table. And in any conversation I have with anyone, that's going to come up because that's kind of what my life is like, is I do walk away from things a lot. And it's, it has its own power. It's not for, that's not for everyone, and it's not something I would recommend anybody practice. But being willing to walk away is a very powerful thing. <clears throat> and when you said that every morning you wake up and you realize you're in choice, the choice that you're making when you decide that this is another day of delight that you're going to have also includes the willingness to walk away because if you're not willing to walk away, that choice mm-hmm. for staying doesn't have the same power in it. Mm-hmm. And, man, uh, th- that just came to me, and if it's for nobody else and just me, uh, I'm, I'm very happy with that because I feel like a penny just dropped for me in a big way because that is – It's one uh, of the – it's one of the first things I do with clients who come to me and say, oh, I'm, my marriage is falling apart. Help me save it. And it's always a shock to them where the very first thing we do is work out the exit plan. It's like, I know you want to save your marriage, but I want you to choose it. And we don't know that you can choose it until we know for sure that you can get out. Like, so if you're going to be in this marriage, it's going to be by choice, not by default, not by finances, not by right. social construct. Like before we fix it, before we even go there, we're going to figure out how you could trash it and go on with your life. Some people can hear that, and some people really struggle. <laughs> That's not their favorite yeah. thing to hear. <laughs> well, that's powerful stuff. That's really powerful, and I love that that is the way you start off. That's magical. I think... It comes down to, though, like you said, that day-by-day choice, the day-by-day choice that I'm going to choose this and it's going to be delightful. I'm going to choose this and it's going to be delightful. I'm going to choose, oh, it's not delightful. Like, do we rehab it? Do we walk away from it? All of it. Like, we're simplifying things a lot. The choice to walk away may not be the most delightful choice. Maybe you do buckle down, but it's always still a choice. And the compass point always is, is this delightful? That's that's it. Right. Wow. That's again. I'm just kind of sitting here in awe of where this conversation has gone. Such powerful stuff. Well, so give us your final thoughts. Wrap it up here. What would you say in terms of final thoughts for somebody who's out there trying to figure out how to find that person? I think we've nailed it about five times here, but give us some <laughs> wrap up thoughts. 
Well, the number one thing that I would say is just it's it's really simple. You already have the most important relationship going on that you're ever going to have, and it's the one you have with yourself. And if what you're doing is looking for someone else to complete you or to fix you or to take care of you, you're going to, that's a hard road to hoe. But if you want to have mm-hmm. what you really want to have, notice how well things are working today and how powerful it is to be in the place where you are right now, how much is going on for you, in other words. And then start thinking about, like, once you, I mean, and I'm not saying, like, you need to spend days and weeks and months figuring this out. Just five minutes of stopping and looking around and saying, yeah, everything is actually fine the way that it is. There's some things I want to change, and there's some things that I want more of and some things I want less of. But let's start with the basics, which is I'm the one who's in this relationship. So I'm the one who knows what to do, where to go, who to talk to, whether this is going to feel better or whether it's going to feel worse. I do know what I'm doing. Because that's one of the things with this topic, I think, is is something just on a very personal level that I find the most difficult sometimes to hear from other people is how much they tend to give away their own power because they think that they're reliant upon someone else doing something. And when you realize, no, you have the choice, you know where to go, and you actually are really tapped into your own source, use it. Start there. Start there by taking stock at what's going on and see where you are and then make a new decision instead of trying to fix what happened in the past or figure out how to get the future, not to suck as much as the past did, which is something that I used to do a lot of, and and realize that the future is actually open. It's like a, it's a whole brand new world that you've never been to before. So you wouldn't want to pre-populate it with anything other than just how much better it's going to get. Whether you're in a relationship or you're not in one, whether you want to get out or whether you want more of what you have, that's, to me, one of the most important things to do. I'm here now. It's all good, and it's getting better. That was a beautiful way to wrap it up, Frank. You rock. Thank you so much for being here. Tell us one more time. Well, you didn't tell us in the beginning. Where can people find you if they want to connect with your work or connect with Communion of Light or the village? or How do people get in touch with you? Well, the easiest way is you can Google my name, Frank Butterfield. I'm not the exercise professional in Las Vegas. I'm the other one. And you can also go directly to the website, which is communionoflight.com, C-O-M-M-U-N-I-O-N of light.com. And just check it out. There's tons of material there to explore and, and find. It's all immediately available. And then there's lots and lots of fun things you can do with us. And it's, it's a great time. And just thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for having me on this call, Lisa. There's just so much, so much good stuff happened here. As always. I love it. As always. Thank you. So everybody check out Frank. Same time for the next interview in this series. And thank you everybody for listening. What if nothing had to change for you to love the body you have right now? Everyone says you need to love yourself. But if you don't know how, self-love feels like a sugary sentiment that doesn't really mean anything. Body Love Boot Camp will teach you the mechanics of self-love. You will learn to treat yourself and your body like you are worthy of love. Not later, but now. Loving your body now doesn't mean you've given up on change. 
it means you're treating your body with the kind of respect that change is made from. So, if you're ready to get off that diet roller coaster thrill ride once and for all, check out Body Love Boot Camp today. www.bodylovebootcamp.com The body of your dreams just might be the one you have today. www.bodylovebootcamp.com Thanks for listening to Love, Life, Life, and Law of Attraction. Tune in next week to learn more about how to find the love of your life. Love, a life you love. I know, it's obnoxious. I'm going to call you right no, back. I'll call you, you in your number. Okay. Uh-uh. <clears throat>